Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of Benedict Donald to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the appeal to the law. Yeah, so the appeal to the law is basically when someone equates the legality of something with the morality or whether it's the right thing to do just because it's if they're saying it's wrong because it's illegal or it's legal and therefore it's fine to do it <laughs> right which which sometimes is fair about some things but not in yeah. all cases and, and and most of the time when you're appealing to that it's obvious that it isn't <laughs> yeah often when you yeah you're using it as an excuse for something yeah. then you've the, probably gone off the logic rails yeah. a bit. So, speaking of Can going I just off congratulate the logic rails. you on Benedict Donald, by the way. That's excellent. Yeah. It seemed an appropriate week to yes, use it. Quite. Yeah, so our first example is uh, from Trump, and it's back when he was talking about his Stormy Daniels payments. You look at the paper, it's all nonsense. It's campaign contributions that, if it were even a campaign contribution, is totally legal. You look at stories one after another, they're all legal. The great lawyers that do that stuff are saying there's nothing illegal. Yeah, so the fact that it was technical, I mean, even if you believe his claim that it's legal, it, it's yeah, not. Yeah. But if you believe that, yeah. his claim that it's legal to, to pay off a porn star who you slept with while your third wife was at home nursing your newborn child so that her coming out and telling everyone that you had an affair at that time doesn't stop you from becoming president even if that was legal <laughs> that Ryan? doesn't mean it's okay <laughs> <laughs> you mean it isn't legal <laughs> yeah it's definitely kind of frowned upon even if it was a campaign donation well, that's the thing. It was a campaign contribution yeah. because it was yeah. designed to allow him to be elected. It was, it was. Yeah. Although the affair had happened years before, the money was paid at that point so that it didn't come out during the campaign. Yeah. So it contributed to his campaign. Absolutely. Fundamentally. Yeah. And yeah. it was paid through a law firm, through his Lawyers foundation. Some of them were were some of the checks were signed by Don Jr. Some were signed by Alan Weisselberg, who's the the CFO of the Trump organization. And it was just yeah, they were they were clearly campaign contributions, which is illegal because they weren't noted down. Essentially, they weren't they weren't declared. But that's not the point. It's not the fact that they were illegal isn't the point. <laughs> yeah. Claiming that they because they were legal that you know there's why has anyone okay, got then. a problem with this? Yeah, perfectly legal. <laughs> is yeah. Is the issue, yeah. which also <laughs> came into play when Giuliani was trying to defend Trump on TV about the whole Russia kind of thing. I've been sitting here looking in the federal code trying to find collusion as a crime. <laughs> it's not. Collusion is not a crime. Again, yeah. technically, collusion is not a crime because there is no crime called collusion. Yeah. But collusion is a feature of other crimes like conspiracy yeah. and yeah. lots of other stuff and even if it were 
not illegal. The president-elect or the cam- the candidate for president con- conspiring or colluding or doing stuff with the foreign power in order to help him get elected doesn't need to be technically illegal for it not to be okay. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't need to be called collusion for it uh-huh. to be illegal. Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, didn't he say it wasn't there at one point? And if it was, if it was illegal, which it isn't, it wouldn't matter because the president was doing it. And he it did do, illegal. yeah, he did do one of those things where he didn't do it. And if he did do it, it wasn't illegal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. 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 <laughs> you desperately see them reaching for it. As soon as somebody says something like that, then you know it's it's a little bit dodgy. that They have really no ground to stand on. It's kind, are, Yeah, it's almost the last the resort. Room. Of the desperate man, in a way, yeah. <laughs> this is is yeah, like you can't saying. you can't back up what you've done or excuse it in any other way. So all you're saying is, well, you know, there's no law against it. Yeah, <laughs> even if there there's is no law, just show me on the statute book where yeah. I'm not allowed to do that. Yeah, and it's just ridiculous. Yes, yeah, yeah. So our uh, third example in this section, yeah. which is uh, the reason that we're doing this this week is because of um, Louis Gohmert in a... uh, This is a House Judiciary hearing on uh, Bill Barr, basically, and his his activities recently (laughs) in in kind of helping out Trump. And uh, during the opening statement of Donald Eyre, who was the previous deputy AG, Gohmert decided to start making a noise. His statements about the Mueller report, Jeffrey Berman's supposed resignation, and Barr's own role in the events in Lafayette Park come quickly to mind. So does his practice of regularly shrouding himself in the rhetoric and trappings of the rule of law, even as he desecrates and undermines the institutions that make it possible. But to me, Barr's crowning dishonesty is the portrait of Edward Levy that a recent New York Times article showed hanging on the wall of his conference room as though the current incumbent regular, had regular order, Regular order, the witness will conclude. Regular order is right. We're way beyond regular order. The witness will continue. Can I have one more sentence here? By all means. Okay. But to me, Barr's crowning dishonesty is the portrait of Edward Levy that a Mr. recent... Mr. Chairman, I would ask Times- that, the, uh, that the sergeant at arms, witness will called upon to stop the disruption of this meeting. I can't hear this witness. This is a very important witness. witness yeah, well, he's way right. beyond and the chair. Yeah. Has and if the there are no rules about when people can the talk, authority, there's no not. rules about when you can make noise. <laughs> That's so good. Even as the guy, even as Air is saying, he shrouds himself in the trappings of law yeah. whilst, whilst doing all sorts of other stuff. The guy is about to do exactly that. Uh-huh. So you know, there's no no rule against making noise. It remind, it, yeah, brilliant! It reminds me of um, when I worked at uh, GlaxoSmithKline. There was a friend of mine who was making a joke at the expense of somebody else who was complaining that he got told off for fighting in the corridor. <laughs> and his and his defence was, well, this was the made up defence. He was going, well, you know, you could hear him clearly saying, well, there are no signs up saying you're not allowed to fight. <laughs> So you kind of think, yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's no no signs up saying I can't tap the desk constantly. <laughs> That's like in Seinfeld when um when George is caught having sex with a cleaning woman in his office, 
and and when he's called in to to be told off for it, he goes, "Was was that wrong? Should I not have done that?" <laughs> yeah, it's clearly yeah. yeah. Show me because you know there's no there's no wedding. signs up. There's no signs up. Just so. this cleaner on the door. No no further. There's no verbs attached to uh-huh. that or anything. Yeah. So um. <laughs> Yeah, so Gomert basically is a three-year-old and he uh, thinks that the best way to, to disrupt it is to make a noise and then claim that there's no rules against making noise. Making a noise, yeah. His his argument, such as there was one, was that Ayers had gone over his time and therefore if we're not going to enforce the rules of keeping to five minutes for your opening statement, then, yeah. you know, there's no rules, clearly, so I can do whatever I like. The thing is, the the rules are that the chairman has discretion and mm. when Gomert started making the noise Ayers was only 30 seconds over his time right which is yeah. you know not a lot within discretion and if he'd let him finish that was his last sentence yeah. so it would have been he over really yeah. so he went over a lot longer because <sighs> oh, it took ages him. to deal with yeah yeah um Gomert's oh. other claim was that Nadler the chairman of the congressional committee was not being fair to witnesses on either side which is a little bit rich since right. this was the first witness. And <laughs> so there wasn't there hadn't been any opportunity to see that Nadler had not been allowing Republican witnesses to speak. And in fact when a Republican witness did speak, which was former AG Michael B. Mukasey, he yeah. he went over by about a minute and a half, I think, on yeah. his time. And and did wasn't stopped desk? from doing it. No. Actually Gomert did start tapping the desk, which in a way Did he? Ah. You know, I, that at least, at least is, has some it's integrity. Consistent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. In a, go in a weird way, <laughs> consistency. But you know, but I mean, yeah. he didn't start weird. tapping as early or as loudly. But it did right. it did make someone complain that they still couldn't hear. But while while Mukasey was was defending Barr and saying that everything he was doing was absolutely fine. So oh right oh well uh, that's ironic um, yeah. yeah yeah well perhaps actually Gomert couldn't hear above the noise he was making probably what yeah. point that was yeah. uh, in case he was making yeah so yeah. yeah I mean that is just extremely sad it and if you have it. to resort to eh, you can't stop me there's no rule against it yeah no rule <laughs> then, against it yeah. then you're probably already me. in the wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes deeply and. Now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. So only one example this week, and we'll dive straight in. With March the 23rd, um, in those heady days when the government was in cold control of things. From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. Because the critical thing we must do to stop the disease spreading between households. You should not be meeting friends if your friends ask you to meet, you should say no. You should not be meeting family members who do not live in your home. You should not be going shopping except for essentials like food and medicine. And you should do this as little as you can. And use food delivery services where you can. If you don't follow the rules, the police will have the powers to enforce them including through fines and dispersing gatherings. So there we have it, fairly clear. Stay at home, don't visit friends, don't visit family, don't go out unless for essential things, and the police have powers to stop you. 
And yeah, this was the, this the... was the early statement of what you're allowed yeah. to do, not the go out, don't go out. One. Don't go out, <laughs> go to work, don't go to work, don't go to work. Yeah, stay yeah. in, don't stay in. Um, so this is like early when it was clear, stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives. Don't meet friends, don't go to work unless you have to go to work. Don't go to the shops. In fact, Matt Hancock, the health minister, uh, on the 5th of April, because it was coming up to Easter, Easter bank holiday, um, and it was beautiful weather, and people were likely to go and head for the hills um, and, you know, go outside and meet people. So this is the, the on the 5th of April, Matt Hancock, the health minister, um, says this. The vast majority of people are following the public health advice, which is absolutely critical, and staying at home, but there are a small minority of people who are not, still not doing that. It's quite unbelievable, frankly. We're absolutely clear that you should not leave your home unless it's for one of four reasons, for medical reasons, to buy food, uh, to go to work if you can't work at home, or for exercise. And of course I understand how difficult this is, but the problem is that when you go out, it's not only that you might directly interact with somebody closer than two metres, it's also that whenever you, uh, that you can spread the virus uh, through touching something which somebody else then touches, or you could pick it up that way. So we're, we're crystal clear in the guidance of what people should and shouldn't do. That guidance is backed up in law. It is not a request. It is a requirement in law, and people need to follow it. And I just say this to the very small minority, as you say, of people who are choosing to flout the guidance. You are putting others' lives at risk, and you are putting yourself in harm's way. Pretty clear. And uh, so on that same day, the Sunday, the 5th of April, Dr Catherine Calderwood, who was the Scottish Chief Medical Officer, resigned because she was seen as her second home during lockdown. And she'd said she'd done so after speaking to the First Minister, Scotland's equivalent of the Prime Minister, and had agreed with her that the justifiable focus on her actions risked distracting from the pandemic response, which was a fairly integrity-filled um, kind of position. Um, on Tuesday, May the 3rd, Neil Ferguson, Professor Lockdown, whose research convinced the UK government to ditch the herd, herd immunity strategy and enter lockdown, resigned after breaking social distancing rules to meet with his lover, who is married to another man and lives with her husband and children in a different part of London. But that in itself is a bit, you know, he's not resigning because of that, though that must have been a bit awkward when he turned up <laughs> and they were all there because they were all on lockdown. And he said, I deeply regret any undermining of the clear messages, and it's been fairly clear, around the continued need for social distancing to control this devastating epidemic, he says in a statement. On Saturday, the 23rd of May, news broke that Dominic Cummings, who's uh, Boris Johnson's own special advisor and, as we know, the unelected real prime minister of the country, um, it broke that he'd headed to Durham on the weekend of the 28th or 29th of March during lockdown, so the, several weeks before the other two resigned. Um, he'd headed there with his wife and symptoms and his son and yet makes an appeal to law. Somebody says to him, but you might have had coronavirus. Well, you might have had coronavirus. I behave reasonably illegally. Yeah. 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 Who cares about good looks? 
Oh, it's a question of, do, of doing the right thing. It's not about what you guys think. So there we go. That's, that's it in a nutshell. So what he thought, was, what he did was reasonable and legal. Well, here's his appeal to law. It was legal, despite the fact that the law clearly said what you did was not legal and everybody else was not doing what he did because of the law. And then it, it was a, it's another moment of, oh, what a giveaway. But uh, <laughs> when he said, I was doing the right thing, it's not, it's not, somebody said, it's not a good look. And he said, well, who cares about looks? I did the right thing, not what you guys think. It's, it's about doing the right thing, not about doing what you guys think. And, you know, for you guys, that's the, the, the journalists immediately, but for you guys, read the rest of us. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, so there he is appealing to the law, and which, isn't the law because we've heard it from both Boris and Matt that you don't do that. You stay where you are. You don't go visit family. You don't all that kind of stuff. So this caused. This was the moment when it when things changed. Um, <laughs> on the on the Monday, Boris says this: Is this government asking you, uh, the people, the public, to do one thing, while senior people here in government do something else? Have we been asking you to make sacrifices to obey social distancing, uh, stay at home, while some people have been basically flouting those rules and endangering lives? And it's because I take this matter so seriously, and frankly, it is so serious, that I can tell you today I've had extensive face-to-face conversations with Dominic Cummings, and I've concluded that in travelling to find the right kind of childcare... At the moment when both he and his wife were about to be incapacitated by coronavirus and when he had no alternative, I think he followed the instincts of every father and every parent. And I do not mark him down for that. I believe that in every respect he has acted responsibly and legally and with integrity and with the overwhelming aim of stopping the spread of the virus and saving lives. And I stress this fundamental aim because it's thanks to this country's collective resolve in achieving that aim that we continue to make progress. So let me give you today's figures. And that's it. He does. He's, you know, he opens it with, I'm going to address the question that's being asked. Oh, is it one rule for us, one rule for you? For you, And because this is serious... I've had many face-to-face conversations with Dom, and I've concluded dramatic pause, as, at which point we were all going, <laughs> right, well, so he's obviously fire fired him. him. Yeah. So, yeah. No, nothing. And he just, no. just says he acted, you know, as any man instincts would. And you go, yeah, but we weren't allowed to do that. Other people yeah. weren't allowed to follow their instincts. As Matt said, I understand how frustrating it is and how hard it is, but you've just got to do it. Not for you. It's for everybody else. Just think. The great the thing is, while you're, when you're already lying about whether it was legal or not, you can also lie about whether it was responsible and and offered integrity in doing exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. You might but as that, well. But, but while did, you're there. But, but, but the other thing is, he might. As well, <laughs> the and the other thing is, he says, "I believe he acted uh-huh. responsibly or legally." And you think, well, who are you? A lawyer? You know, it's, it's kind of. The, whether it's legal or not is not a matter for belief. It's 
it's written down. This is, you know, as as Matt Hancock said, this isn't a, you know, it's not a favour we're asking. This is a requirement in law. Yeah, it would have been legal if two months before Boris hadn't specifically said that's not Ill- that's not legal. Yes. I'm making a yes, law against that it. Very thing. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you know, so I don't know. Yeah, why is your belief changed? Well, because Dominic Cummings won't get fired, or or rather. Uh, Boris Johnson won't fire Dominic until Dominic tells him that he can. And that's, yeah. So that's the moment when it all went tits up, basically, for the government. Um, on, on Wednesday, the 26th of May, um, Matt Hancock said, I was asked, will you be re- reviewing the fines given to people who did similar things during that? And Matt Hancock actually said, I will check that with the Treasurer. I can see where you're coming from, and I'll check with the Treasury whether that's something that we ought to do. And, um, of course, it was later rescinded. They didn't do that. Um, And on the same day, they launched the track and trace system with much fanfare, and one journalist asks... You're going to be asking families to isolate for two weeks on the say-so of an official, even if they don't have symptoms. Can you make that big ask if the people who are writing the orders aren't following them? Well, as I said, Joe, uh, I think that it is incredibly important that uh, people play their part in the test and trace system. Um, it will be somebody from the NHS. These are, these are all signed off by the NHS. So people are doing this, you know, they're not doing it for, uh, for, for me. Uh, people are doing this for their loved ones. If you're phoned up and asked to self-isolate, even though you're perfectly healthy, because you've been in close contact with somebody who's tested positive, then it's, in, it, it, it's your civic duty to then self-isolate for yourself, for your community, for your family. Obviously, that st- still doesn't apply to Dominic Cummings, obviously. No. no civic duty there. But it's quite interesting. Notice the social distancing being observed between us and the government. The, the, what's being shoved in the gap is the NHS. He's very careful when the journalist says, can you make that ask if people writing the orders aren't following them? Obviously a reference to Dominic Cummings. So Matt Hancock is very careful to say, it's the NHS signing these off. It's not the government. We're not writing the rules. It's the NHS. You're not doing it for me. Nobody said we were. You know, they were not doing it for me. You're doing it. This is your civic duty. You're doing it for the country. Two days later, there's more distancing going on. Matt Hancock again. It's an instruction from the NHS, and it's very important that you do it, but it's legally uh, not uh, mandated at this stage because we think it's far better, far, far better, if as a country we pull together and do this and everybody follows the instruction. So I think what they've done is enable them... Uh, to be able to sidestep the committing of the appeal to law fallacy by um, not only it's not a rule that we are making because they can't be trusted to adhere to them, it's the NHS. Not only that, they're not making the rules, they're not even making them rules. It's not even legally binding now. So it's stopped being a rule that we're giving you uh, and then it stopped being a rule altogether. So when it goes completely to pot and everybody, and there's another second spike, they are utterly blameless because it's all down to us. So there's no, there's no appeal to the law. 
that they can be held up to committing the fallacy. Of, you know, they can't because Cummings just fucked it up spectacularly. Yeah. And it's a lot harder for them now to say, yeah, come on, a, this is the law, you have to yeah, do that's it. That's right. So what they've done <laughs> is they've gone, they've realised they're very uncomfortable. The government, for about three weeks, actually became a government in charge of everything. They realised, after Boris having dodged five Cobra meetings about the whole thing, whilst he was sorting out his divorce ahead of the engagement to his pregnant girlfriend um they took it on themselves at the moment we went into lockdown they sorted out um you know closing everything down making sure the nhs was protected you know they fucked up big time on ppe but they you know nas- nationalized the the transport system pretty much nationalized everything paid everybody's wages became like a proper government which was the antithesis of what the Tories' traditional stance is. They are completely against big government. They don't want. They want it all to be down to individuals themselves. They will facilitate the market so that individuals can look after um, their their own well-being and their own uh, financial security and their own career prospects. They aren't a nanny state. They always uh, accuse the socialists of being too much like a big government, and they were doing that for about three weeks <clears throat> up until the moment that Cummings revealed there is one rule for us and, and another for them, and then they reverted to type, and they're shifting the responsibility and therefore the consequent blame when it all goes wrong, and it will go wrong, onto us as individuals and they can wash their hands of it. So they, they've they just revealed themselves to be the utter tosspots that they are. You know, they kind of, they've, dere- they've been derelict in their duty as a, as a government. Now, you know, that, gov- that three-week government was with the Kiblami. We, this could come out of it. This could be fine. And no, it's all <laughs> gone horribly wrong. Yeah, it never lasts long, that kind of thing, does it? No. <laughs> Making you to blame is such fun Appeal to the law and the law one Appeal to the law and the law one Avoiding logic as I have none Appeal to the law and the law one Appeal to the law and the law one Nothing substantial behind my smile I guess my race is run Our music fallacies in the wild Appeal to the law and the law one Appeal to the law and the There's the clash there with I fought the law and the law won. Yeah, which I thought Thanks. was very appropriate. That was I had to, had that one. Some of the uh, uh, somebody on our Facebook group suggested two kind of came in and said, "Oh, do you do requests for the fallacy in the wild sting?" It had never occurred to me before, and he came up with some cracking ideas. And um, but then but this one came up, so I'll, I'll have to use his ones later on. So 
In the fallacy in the wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And this week, all three of our examples explore a slightly different angle of this fallacy, which is mm-hmm. not law so much as just rules that sometimes are made up by a single person. Um, but it's about yeah. justifying even sometimes to yourself your behaviour based on finding a loophole, based on, on like just just working your way around whatever technicality you need to. And the first example is kind of a classic in this genre, and it is from Air Bud. What the heck's going on here? I'll handle this, Josh. Do the Timberwolves want to substitute a dog? Are they nuts? Dog's a registered member of the team. He practices with the team, he travels with the team. You check in your rule book. But you won't find anything in there that says a dog can't play. He's right. Ain't no rules that the dog can't play basketball. Yep, ain't no rules. There's a dog can't play basketball. So, so in that case, since there's no rule, it's completely sensible, logical, and okay yeah. to have a dog on your team playing basketball. And, and he's not a yeah. particularly tall dog. Either. That's the thing, is it? He's not. No, like he does a, have a particular like a... talent for basketball. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah. then, then that's that's cool. The rest of the film is pants, but this bit, yeah, where <laughs> where they explain why it's perfectly okay to allow a dog to play basketball is yeah it, fair enough it is. can't no argue with that really up. yeah show me that. there's no rule there's no rule against yeah. it so that's fine our second example is from an episode of Frasier where Frasier and Niles are trying desperately throughout the episode to figure out a reason that they can break doctor patient confidentiality because Niles is treating a man who is a kind of compulsive womanizer and they've just found out that Roz is dating him and they want to be able to tell Roz so that she doesn't kind of commit to him because she's kind of falling in love with him. Um, but but they can't. So eventually they sit down with their books about psychiatry and come up with this. According to this, it says we can warn her if he plans to do her bodily harm. Does he? No. Damn! <laughs> It'd be so much easier if Roz were mentally incompetent. Go on. Well, then there'd be some justification for protecting her. Is she irrational? She did attack a vending machine once. <laughs> when a Twinkie came out of the odor shoot. Borderline, borderline. Yeah, Does she ever act delusional? Well, she often claims that she's responsible for the success of our show. Building, well, building. Does she display below average intelligence? She once ordered a bottle of white Zinfandel. Jackpot! <laughs> She's a threat to herself. It's amazing. Even let the woman drive. <laughs> so I've forgotten how good Fraser is. I'm going to have to go back and just on the basis of that, go back and watch the entire series. Yeah. So, yeah, Fraser and Niles are are only kind of fooling themselves in doing this. Their their rule. It is a rule. It's a you know a part of their oath as psychiatrists. But they are. Um, convincing themselves that it's okay by finding this loophole it's not like they're kind of sitting in front of a tribunal and having to explain it but um yeah so there will they've... probably be a moment when um when roz says yeah but yeah what about patient doctor patient therapist <laughs> uh, well, uh, spoiler that. uh it doesn't come to that because by the time fraser goes around to tell roz uh the guy has already broken up with her so oh, yeah god damn yeah. yeah. 
I love that um, bit. So, she's, she's claimed success for the show. Uh, the guy, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> so our final example in this section is uh, from Terminator 2. And this is just a, a rule that someone literally just made up. Gotta promise me you're not going to kill anyone, right? Right. Swear? What? Just put up your hand and say, I swear I won't kill anyone. I swear I will not kill anyone. All right, let's go. Visiting hours is 10 to 4, Monday through Friday. What the hell are you doing? You son of a bitch! You shot me! live <laughs> <laughs> I like the way he yeah. smashes the window in order to press the button when it's uh-huh. literally just around <laughs> the door frame around. yeah he could just, yeah. He could just walk around, yeah. and he could have just actually gone up to the guy picked him up and thrown him to one side or just held him up in the air with yeah, one there's, arm there's the other ways the, he could have done it but yeah. he played by the rules he did exactly, I did exactly what he was yeah. told yeah he'll live so he'll live yeah Therefore, it's fine. That's essentially this. Yeah. This whole thing is is yeah. I Absolutely I fine. I followed the rules. I did exactly what you said. What are you worried about? Why are you yeah. complaining that I just what, shot this guy in the exactly. kneecaps? What I did, therefore, <laughs> was fine. Was was okay. Wasn't uh-huh. bad. Yeah. And then um, John Connor, he's kind of kicking himself, going, oh, "I should have said, shot him. Don't shoot anybody. <laughs> yeah. Don't shoot anybody. Oh God, next time." Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like the kind of the monkey paw thing. You've got to you've got to yeah. make your requests very specific. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, yeah. people find a way around. Absolutely clear. You must uh-huh. stay home. You mustn't go out. You haven't got to visit anybody. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for Fake News, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. You see, now, if we look closely at the legal requirements of this game, you'd see that there's no rule that says, I can't just claim victory right now. No, that's true. Yeah, it's, there. it's not written down. Next right, to let's the move gap, on. next to the gap <laughs> where it said, no dogs can play basketball. It doesn't say that. See, uh-huh. It doesn't say, I can't just claim a win. That's it. It's a win. <laughs> I won the whole series. Yeah, so... Not, not going to carry water, is it? <laughs> so uh, we we have a theme this week, which is mm-hmm. um, basically all of these are from the same section of the same speech. They're all kind of one explanation by Trump of one thing. So this oh, okay. is from... The three different chunks of the same yeah. explanation, right? Right. So in in Tulsa, where Trump had a rally which his administration claimed they'd had a million ticket requests for, built a huge outdoor stage so that they could cope with the overflow crowd and Pence could go out and give a special talk just to the people who couldn't even get in to the arena in Tulsa. And then 6,200 people showed up. (laughs) I think (laughs) the the person that also there's like a warm-up act for Pence for the for the overspill and that warm up act was Nigel Farage. <laughs> really? He was flown over to, to, to <laughs> do the brilliant. to do the chat to the you know the warm up oh. act for the for the queue. There wasn't Excellent. one. Excellent. No. Yeah. There was there was no queue. They they took down the stage 
and there was less than a third full in the arena in Tulsa, which was amazing. Um, And people started claiming that it was TikTok users and K-pop stands um, who had requested tickets and like with the deliberate intention of making them think lots more people were going to show up and then they wouldn't turn up. Um, Brad Pascal, Trump's uh, social media director and, and campaign cyber guy, basically, um, said, no, that's nonsense. We're much more sophisticated than that. We can tell people who are just kind of messing about and we, we get rid of those emails. So it's nothing nothing to do with that. So basically he's saying, no, the real reason is he's just not that popular. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, so they just guessed a million people I mean, coming or, uh, you know? Some combination of people requesting tickets and not turning up and them overestimating or lying or something just because why not when you've got an arena that only holds nineteen thousand people just say it's a million who want to come because who cares who you know you'll only get found out if you can't fill the arena (laughs) yeah yes (laughs) and that's never gonna happen no that's be crazy So in in this uh, non-socially distanced small crowd, Trump said lots of crazy shit as usual. But one of the things he did was he he tried to excuse his slow shuffle down a ramp after the West Point uh, speech that he gave and the the kind of graduation thing where, you know, it hit the headlines and, and how he's not in control of his body, afraid of ramps unable to walk all those that stuff and yeah. and obviously he, this hit him hard so he spent 13 minutes oh on God. on explaining why he couldn't walk down a ramp <laughs> right right so uh these are some of the bits from that <laughs> diatribe okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> statement number 1 this was a steel ramp it had no handrail It was like an ice skating rink. And I said, General, I have a problem. And he didn't understand that at first. I said, there's no way. He understood. I just saluted almost 600 times. I just made a big speech. I sat for other speeches. I'm being baked. I'm being baked like a cake. I said, General, there's no way I can make it down that ramp without falling on my ass. General, I have no railing. (laughs) So so how come Uh it's an ice skating rink if he's been baked like a cake? Hard to say. Yeah. Um, statement number two. Okay. Now he's standing there, big strong guy, and he's got these shoes, but they're loaded with rubber on the bottom. Because I looked, the first thing I did, I looked at his shoes. The then I looked at mine. Shoes? Okay. <laughs> very, very slippery. So I ended yeah. up saying, "Okay, general, let's go. I will only grab you if I need you." That's not a good story. Falling would be a disaster. It turned out to be worse than anything. I would have been better off if I fell and slid down the damn ramp. Right. And statement number three, Yeah. so we start the journey, and it's really bad. It's really steep, but really slippery like an ice skating rink, but also really steep, right? You all saw. So we're walking, step, 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 and even the general turns to me, and he says, I almost slipped, sir, and he's this big general. So I get to maybe halfway down the ramp, maybe two-thirds, and I think, okay, here goes, and I run down the last ten feet, but they didn't show that. (laughs) How long is this ramp? (laughs) Well, so the last ten feet was is a third of it. So it's thirty <laughs> feet long. This 
Jesus Christ, what's he doing getting out of the space shuttle or something? <laughs> well, wow. if it, to be to be steep and also 30 feet long, it would, yeah, it would have be, to be a really tall stake. Really yeah. tall thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, no wonder no people were disappointed they couldn't see him because he's on this enormous <laughs> stage. Okay, right, so out of this... <laughs> Damn rubbish! I've got to pick one. Is <laughs> one of them? Fake, he didn't say. What <laughs> did? Oh my god! All right, so big strong guy. He's got these shoes. They're loaded with rubber on the bottom. Because I looked. How do you know if they've got bottom rubber on the bottom? Because I looked at his shoes. Okay. Why didn't he, he's blaming everything? Isn't he? His shoes, <laughs> the the general, uh, the rubber, ice skating rink. Okay. All right. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, steps at depth. See, well, you see, that's got the. Nah, uh, that's got the 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 kind of Jim convincing Mark type phrase where somebody says "sir," because nobody ever says "sir," and he always quotes them as having done that. Okay. <clears throat> Odd. Okay, bake like a cake. Mm. Okay, mm, six hundred. Okay, I'm going to plump for uh, number two. Is the one you made up? The big rubber shoes on the bottom. Okay, so which of the other two are you more convinced by? More convinced by the. Saluted six hundred times because he's got a reference into the hundreds of people. Okay. Yeah, more convinced by one. So, number one is yeah, yeah, real. This was a steel ramp. It had no handrail. It was like an ice skating rink. And I said, General, I have a problem. And he didn't understand that at first. I said, There's no way. You understood? I just saluted almost six hundred times. I just made a big speech. I sat for other speeches. I'm being baked. I'm being baked like a cake. I said, General, there's no way I can make it down that ramp without falling on my ass, General. I have no railing. He he Uh is just a really shit, out-of-date stand-up comic, isn't he? It's Oh, God. I mean, this wasn't even a tight five. This was 13 minutes he spent on this. (laughs) Wow. And he convinced nobody. In no. the thing, well, know, in the was... in the arena, the whole six thousand two hundred people, yeah, uh, were, all, were they all bought it? They yeah. they they were loving it, yeah, yeah. Okay. The six hundred <laughs> times thing that he saluted, yeah. it, he went on a, for a while about that because right. that was one of his excuses for why he couldn't lift a glass of water with one hand was the fact oh, okay, that because he'd worn it out because yeah because he'd saluted so many times and it's yeah. hard saluting yeah. people, yeah, and not to mention he made a speech and he'd sat. While other people talked, <laughs> yeah, that's gonna. So what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, after I'm, I've got a problem. It doesn't act. Doesn't actually explain. There's no link. <laughs> there's no causal connection between. I've saluted this. So I made a big speech. I've sat. I've made yeah. like a cake. Now you want Ergo, me to walk down a ramp? Now you want me to walk <laughs> without falling on my ass? Down a slight with, incline with, with no railing? Yeah, that's a slight, <laughs> yes. In the summer, when it's likely to be hot and and kind of you know fairly, 
fairly sticky, and they they make ramps out of for people to walk on. They make them so that they can be walked on. It's, oh, so he must have gone up the ramp to yeah. get onto the stage. Yeah, there's no other way off the stage. So yeah. <laughs> also, oh god, I don't know. I d- I don't know to be honest. I can't remember because I don't remember if I didn't watch it. But I, it's possible that the yeah. almost twelve hundred West Point recruits who he saluted because he did it in pairs, which is why it was only six hundred times. Right. Um, they may have the all ramp. gone up the ramp and down the ramp after. Yeah. Sal- I don't know if they went up onto the stage, but it's entirely right. possible. And I yep. don't. I didn't hear anything about any of them falling over. So no. maybe they didn't. Maybe they kind of came and stood near the stage and he saluted them from yeah. a distance. Or, or maybe that's why they went up in twos because it was so damn slippery. That old, old oh, yeah, yeah. Up. So they had someone to grab if they needed to. Exactly. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, you also basis, think that number three is real. Yeah. And number three is yeah. Yeah. fake news. Oh, what? Are you, you did it. You did. See, oh, I should have gone with, with the cert thing. Yeah. But you could have, I mean, that could have steered you wrong. Because he said he claimed the general called him sir like twenty times in the other sections of this thirteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He did impressions oh, of the general, doing like, right. "Sir, we got the ramp. The ramp's ready, sir." Um, he did. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which means that number two is indeed is real. real. Oh my god! Now he's standing there, big strong guy, and he's got these shoes, but they're loaded with rubber on the bottom. Because I looked, the first thing I did, I looked at his shoes. Then I looked at mine. Very, very slippery. So I end up saying, okay, General, let's go. I will only grab you if I need you. That's not a good story. Falling would be a disaster. It turned out to be worse than anything. I would have been better off if I fell and slid down the damn ramp. (laughs) Right? I mean, I would have paid to see if he'd fallen and slid down the ramp. That would be fantastic. But. That would just be on the that would break the internet, wouldn't it? That would, yeah. yeah. Which all means, unfortunately, oh. that you did not win this week, and oh, no, your I don't mind that score this week. is uh, twenty-three yeah. out of fifty-three. Um, which oh, I, nice. I, I have yep. no idea yep. what the it, percentage it, is. Something close. in the forties, probably. Yep. Something like that. But, yeah. You <sighs> see, if we weren't so slavishly following the letter of the law, I'd be reading right now. Yeah, I mean, if like you didn't just have to guess the right one, yeah, every, yeah, if there was if a different. Just stick to the rules. Yeah, every time you, you know, you have to appeal to the bloody law. <laughs> it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called "Bounties Are Not a Logical Fallacy," because just when you thought Trump had hit rock bottom again. Yeah. Each time, frankly, you think he's yeah. hit rock bottom. Somehow yeah. he has really kind of professional drilling equipment and manages mm. to go further down. Yeah. And yeah. Move over Elon Musk and your boring company. <sighs> you know, the uh-huh. guy's halfway to the centre of the earth. You know, it's amazing yeah. how yeah. bad it can get <laughs> when when we're already in the middle of global protests and a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> But it turns out, according to the New York Times, in an investigation which has been corroborated by the Washington Post and the Associated Press talking to different, uh, or who knows, possibly the same intelligence officials, the Russians have been paying the Taliban to kill Americans for a while. Okay. Yeah, which is quite bad. For a while. 
Yeah, for probably at least a year. Uh, it's, it, oh. Some some reports say it, it's that the intelligent U.S. intelligence have known about it since early 2019. So it's it's certainly, if those reports are true, been going on for a while. Yeah, it is. It may be the reason that several Americans were killed um, in Afghanistan since April of 2019. And, wow. yeah. The thing you think that the president would kind of know about. Yeah, you would think you know, that. Yeah, um, yeah. You would think that, a you know, someone who isn't a Russian asset would have even maybe done something about yeah. or said something it's about. It's not like he's or not said, on the phone to Vladimir a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So the first arguments were, well, Trump hadn't ever been told about this, which right. So is the old news. This is news to me. Yeah, yeah. Didn't right. know. No, don't know anything about that. Yeah, that was that was what they first said, and then reporters started saying, well, uh, hang on a minute, shouldn't he have been told about it? Because it seems yeah. important. It seems like one of those things that you should bring up with the president you know, if you yeah, get the chance. Cool. Call me picky, you know. Uh-huh. It's kind of if in between games of golf. Yeah, you might just drop it into the conversation. So yeah, yeah. So propaganda Barbie Kaylee McCannany said um, that he had not been um, personally briefed on it, which presumably means that he no one had orally briefed him on it. Um, right, but. Reports say that it was in his uh, presidential daily briefing document in uh, February 27th specifically and probably other times. Uh, but obviously, you know, you can't expect the president to read yep. anything. And, so, and they would they would know that and that's why they do oral, oral briefings. Yeah, exactly. Because he is notoriously difficult to brief about anything that is has anything to do with national security or anything like that. Um, and he prefers to rely on things that he hears on conservative media. Yeah. And this hasn't been on there, so they could have put it on Fox News and then it would have got to him. Because it's kind of secret. Yeah, that's right. They just tweeted it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, John Ratcliffe, the current director of national intelligence, has has said, no, this is is secret stuff. And even if it was stuff that we told Trump about, you're not allowed to talk about it. Like any reporting on this is very secret. (laughs) Um. <laughs> that's kind of yeah yeah that'll shut him up uh-huh. yeah yeah <laughs> and and now trump has basically started saying yeah it's a hoax it's not real it's not true it's not happened and what? The, yeah oh, the whole even... the whole thing um it's just made up by democrats um, oh, okay which even is though the the security services are talking to congress uh-huh yeah, yeah. About in it, fact, the same day went on. <laughs> the same day that the, that yeah. the security uh, services have, um, gave a brief to eight Republican right. people, Trump was saying, "Yeah, this is a hoax. It's not real." And by that time, presumably, in order to say it was a hoax, had been briefed on it or something, because if he hasn't, right. if he still hasn't been yeah. briefed, but is claiming it's a hoax based on nothing, that I mean, that's crazy. Who would yeah. do that? Yeah. So yeah. it wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't be the first time that he has claimed that what the Russians are saying, which is this is not true, um, over it's, what it's the true. US yeah. intelligence services are saying uh, is yeah. true. But yeah, I mean it's it, it's a weird thing because it's not 
I'm going uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more in headlines about about how how much Trump fumbles really easy stuff. But right. this is not difficult. I mean, no. it's 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 amazing that if this has been the case and and apparently people have said that John Bolton told them he had briefed Trump about this back in March of 2019. Right. Um Bolton isn't saying anything. Presumably, he's keeping it for his next book. Um, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a. It's kind of amazing that they haven't got to the bottom of it yet and decided whether it's true or not. Because one of the arguments is that, well, this is you know, um, some intelligence services are saying it's not verified, and it, and if it's been going on for that long, more than a year, why haven't they verified it or decided yeah. it isn't true yet? And and why at no point in that time did anyone just mention it to Trump to say it's you, think, you know it you should know we're looking into we're looking this into it. yeah yeah so is that why is that their excuse for not briefing Trump well that's saying, one well, of that, that was so. yeah that was Trump's first excuse after I haven't heard anything about it was right. they didn't tell Mike Pence or me about it because they decided it wasn't or they didn't decide it was verified enough they hadn't they hadn't decided it was definitely true so there was right. no point mentioning it basically um but here's the thing if this situation came out if it became public the thing you say straight away is we are well aware of this we are looking into it we've been looking into it for a long time we have serious intelligence assets on the ground you know working through to figure out what's going on and who is offering these bounties if they're really happening and if any bounties have been paid. And, of course, we have kept Trump up to date with everything that's been going on, but it hasn't reached the level yet where it makes sense for him to take any action against Russia because yeah. we haven't verified that it is, you know, a real thing yet. That's yeah. What's wrong yeah. with that as a state? What's wrong with that? Yeah. That, that says this government knows what it's doing, but they yeah. can't even get that. They can't yeah. get to the point where they've said, we know about it, we're doing something about it. They're like, and, well, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh. maybe, well, no, we haven't, uh, well, no, because we don't tell him everything because we're still checking it. You know, meanwhile, American citizens are dying. And, and at the very least, the president would come out and say, you know, we're deeply shocked and saddened yeah. at the deaths of our um, of military course. personnel on this on this you know in this ongoing battlefield and whilst i wasn't aware of the um the extent to which this might be being brought about by a foreign government i am sure that my people are looking into it and yeah. rest assured you know that i will um make sure something goes on and and quickly in order and, to protect future and the thing is even with the fact that after supposedly being briefed in in between uh, you know early this year and now he has been pushing for Russia to be reinstigated into the G8 mm. you could even justify that by saying you know while we were looking into this we didn't want to tip our hand to Russia by kind of altering our approach to them we we had to maintain a diplomatic relationship with them yeah. rather rather than letting them know that we knew this was a possibility yeah you can you can justify his apparent obsequiousness to putin with that, that kind of argument exactly, but yeah but saying eh, nobody told me about it so of course not I've only been that it's been made up, up to by putin. the press yeah yeah oh my god 
yeah, yeah. And it's just, well, it's yet another symptom of the the people that are surround that surround Trump just being obsequious and supporting his every move rather than just saying, yes, we know what we're doing and we will brief him in good time just to protect themselves if nothing else. Yeah. You you begin to get the feeling that they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beginning, of, yeah. That's the possibility that that might be happening <laughs> is starting to occur to me. Yeah, <sighs> yes. Pretty much like it did on maybe day two. Yeah. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. The US is currently experiencing a massive second spike in coronavirus cases, reaching 50,000 on Wednesday, which is way higher than the first peak in April. That's 50,000 in one day. And we're recording this before the July 4th weekend. Of course, you wouldn't know it to listen to the administration, which is full of optimist ICU is half full types like Trump, who is inexplicably saying the virus will just disappear still and Pence, who held a coronavirus task force briefing last week and said that compared to April, America is in a much better place. To be fair, depending on your belief system, you could argue that at least 100,000 Americans are indeed in a much better place, but (laughs) I don't think that's what he was going for. Meanwhile, master of understatement Anthony Fauci said, clearly we're not in total control, Hmm. and warned that new cases could hit 100,000 per day unless things turn around. In a bit of good news, a new study by the National Bureau of Economic Research has confirmed that the Black Lives Matter protests have not contributed to the spike in coronavirus. Studying data from more than 300 of the biggest cities in the US, researchers say that while there may be an increase in cases among the relatively small proportion of the population who actually got out and protested, it's more than offset by an increase in social distancing in the rest of the population as people avoided public places where protests were happening and stayed home due to additional congestion and road closures. I'm intrigued that there's a second spike because I wasn't aware that the first spike had finished. I mean, it's it's not a second wave because they haven't yeah. finished their first wave, but it's yeah. definitely a spike. And that there was a first spike at the beginning, and it's kind it it didn't go down, but it plateaued, and now it's spiking again. So, right. yeah. But it is, it is damn good news that it's not to do with the protests because that yeah. was that was looking like that was going to be the. And I've no doubt it will be blamed on them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course it will. <sighs> Much as I enjoy seeing seniors triggering each other from their mobility carts and getting into fights in slow motion with the added frisson of likely osteoarthritis, brittle bone breakages, if ever it should get physical, it ceases to be funny when the leader of the free world, registered trademark, deliberately retweets one such geezer shouting white power. Even with the most innocent, now what did I do, face on, the fella's got white hair. Hell, they all have. It's surely patently, obviously not the thing to do around Juneteenth and following the murder of George Floyd. Barely reprehensible if you're an ordinary citizen, much less the fairly elected saviour of the US registered trademark. Thankfully, the whole of the White House saw it for what it was and burst into flames. Indeed, officials said it set off a five-alarm fire. Well, I don't know about you, but if it's that big of a fire, I'd want the fire department to arrive to put stuff out quicker than the three hours it took for the tweet to be deleted. Something to do with Trump having to put his phone down because he's playing golf and aides trying unsuccessfully to reach Deputy Chief of Staff Dan Scavino to ask him to delete the retweet. 
as Yoda would say, there is no try. Or if it's taking three hours, you're not trying hard enough. Does no one know where he lives? And surely security know which gold course Trump is at. Yeah, but it's mostly something to do with an election in November and 82 million followers on Twitter, some of whom won't be bots and will have voting rights. Eventually, Donald agreed to take it down. An official said the president gets a deluge of content from aides and allies, with one of them saying the white power incident was a lesson to all of us in the White House to be more aware of what's out there. Yeah, no shit. And most of it, Trump is writing. How fucking scary is it that, like on any day, but especially where we are right now, that it can take three hours for the White House to get in touch with Trump? Yeah. How well, is and, that and possible? It, and it not be a deliberate policy. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. can fly I mean, to the other... You could fly a long way in three hours, couldn't you? Yeah. You could walk. You could <laughs> walk to the other side of Washington. You could walk to the Gold Coast. You could walk to bloody Malibu. I mean, there then. could be a, a lot of missile attacks in three hours. That, exactly. And they're like, well, sorry, we just can't find him. Can't find mm. him. He's put his phone down. We yeah. just can't raise him. And there's, there's no, you there know, nobody there's else. None of the, the self, entire none White of the House. Secret Service have phones. There's no, no one else at the at the golf course who and, could like run out onto the fifth tee and just get him. It's and, ridiculous. And nobody has got access to his Twitter account <laughs> other than Dan Scavino and oh, Trump. God, that's it. Amazing. Yeah. Trump's agenda is pretty straightforward. Stack the courts and own the libs. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to remember that, but of course, Trump is no rocket scientist. So when Sean Hannity lobbed him the softest of softball questions in a recent interview, he panicked and spewed out this lump of bullshit instead. What's at stake in this election as you compare and contrast, and what is what are your top priority items for a second term? Well, one of the things that will be... Really great. You know, the word experience is still good. I always say talent is more important than experience. I've always said that. But the word experience is a very important word. It's in a very important meaning. I never did this before. I never slept over in Washington. I was in Washington, I think, 17 times. All of a sudden, I'm president of the United States. You know the story. I'm riding down Pennsylvania Avenue with our first lady, and I say, this is great. But I didn't know very many people in Washington. It wasn't my thing. I was from Manhattan, from New York. Now I know everybody, and I have great people in the administration. You make some mistakes, like, you know, an idiot like Bolton, all he wanted to do is drop bombs on everybody. You don't have to drop bombs on everybody. You don't have to kill people. Imagine being so crushingly incompetent that four months out from a presidential election, you have absolutely no answer for what are your priorities for your second term. It's almost like he doesn't think he's going to get one. Remember way back last year when we learned that Devin Nunez was suing a cow? Well, we're <laughs> delighted to say that this week, Judge John Marshall dismissed Nunez's defamation case brought against Twitter for allowing the account Devin Nunez's cow and Devin Nunez's mom to, well, basically take the piss out of Nunez, stating that Twitter was immune from the defamation claims due to federal law that says social media companies are not liable for what people post on their platforms. Nunez seeks to have the court treat Twitter as the publisher or speaker of the content provided by others based on it, allowing or not allowing certain content to be on its internet platform, Marshall wrote. The court refuses to do so. 
neither the cow nor his mom made any comments, but Liz Mayer, also named in the case against Twitter, said this is a good thing. Because basically Nunez, like many notable Republican Twitter users with the handle BOTUS, say, took an oath to support and defend the Constitution. All of it, not just the bits he likes. As we said at the time, it's all very well doling out the bullshit, but when the cow and your mom flings it back in your face, it's a different matter. As Ed Big Daddy Roth once advised, if you can't take the action, don't fake the style. And also Bart said, don't have a cow, man. In a late-night Friday news dump on June 19th, US Attorney General and baby from dinosaurs Bill Barr announced that Jeffrey Berman, US Attorney for the Southern District of New York, would be stepping down from his position and would be replaced by the chairman of the SEC and Trump's golf buddy, Jay Clayton. Berman, when he heard about this in the press, said he hadn't resigned, he had no intention of resigning, and since he was appointed by the court, Barr couldn't fire him. The next day... Barr wrote to Berman and told him that since he wouldn't resign, Trump himself had fired him. When reporters asked Trump about this, he said, That's his department, not mine. I'm not involved. Before we could figure out whether Barr or Trump was lying, let's face it, it's somehow always both of them, Berman agreed to resign on the basis that his deputy, Audrey Strauss, would take over. Strauss is reportedly unlikely to give in to political pressure, so whatever they were trying to achieve hasn't worked. What they were trying to achieve is probably a mixture of petty retaliation for the SDNY's prosecution of Trump lawyer Michael Cohen and interference with the SDNY's current investigation of Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani. In a fun extra detail, the SDNY has today announced the arrest of Jeffrey Epstein associate Ghislaine Maxwell, which they are hoping will lead to further arrests of Epstein's inner circle, maybe including Trump lawyer and alleged sexual abuser Alan Dershowitz. Yay! Carl Bernstein is famous for being a friend of the author of the book Beer Trump in the White House that we read in our special show for patrons of this one, Bob Woodward which is about as convoluted as Bernstein's opening paragraph in his CNN politics report from June 30th. The report says what we've kind of known all along, that Trump's phone calls are filled with teenage trash talk about the last guys who used the phone, whether they're blue or red, willfully ignorant of advisers' counsel and viciously abusive towards world leaders in general and female ones in particular, especially those heretofore regarded as allies. Oh, yeah, except for Putin, who he can't do enough heavy breathing down the phone at, which, seeing as he'll be in office till he's 89, is going to need a lot of wheezing. The list of former officials and advisers grows daily. Kelly, Bolton, Tillerson, Mattis, McMaster, basically everyone who got fired or left, in inverted commas, all now lining up to say, actually, you know, that's kind of risky behaviour, if not a security risk for the US itself. You're kind of treasonable in that regard. Bernstein seems to be quite right in surmising that it's all very well telling us this for a price via your memoirs slash personal appearances slash public speaking circuits. Why weren't you doing that at the time? Because if you had, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in now. A bit like Carl, I can't see how this is news now, mainly because we read it in Woodward's book like two years ago, by which time it was a year old. And saying now that if people listen to witnesses to this stuff and read the transcripts, oh, they'd, they'd think twice about his fitness for office is a bit like Mueller never happened or, hey, the impeachment never happened. Are they doing the political equivalent of social distancing ready for the fallout from the landslide defeat come November? Sorry, fellas. You go one, you go all. For a while now, Trump has been claiming his border wall is fully financed. In fact, in his Tulsa rally, 
Is it a rally if you just have a few friends around? Anyway, in his Tulsa rally, he claimed that he could build multiple walls with all the money he's got. Surprising that only three miles of new barrier has actually been built then. Well, turns out he might have to give back two and a half billion dollars of that money because the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled that he violated the Constitution in bypassing Congress and claiming that he needed the money for unforeseen military requirements. After all, who could have foreseen Trump's need to build a wall prior to January of 2019? Certainly not thousands of baying, red-hatted, red-necked, pink-faced deplorables chanting build the wall in arenas around the country since 2015. If that is the phrase they were relying on, I'm beginning to see why Trump and his lawyers lose so many lawsuits. It's like he's in a weird Brewster's Millions-style competition with Devin Nunes to see who can spend the most on lawyers without having anything to show for it. This is the bit where I update you about Boris and stuff in the UK. Jesus H, fucking Christ, it's awful. That is all. Yeah, fair. No, really, even with the lens of fallacious Trump to look through and possibly make light of it, the industrial strength blame shifting, blowing of dog whistles, COVID death count responsibility shedding and FDR New Deal parodying, sorry, homaging these last two weeks has made even the cheeriest of souls seriously consider backing Elon Musk's bid to terraform Mars, despite his immobile top lip. It's as if they're holding up shiny things, which on closer inspection are just pools of fresh bullshit reflecting the sun's rays to distract us from the two billion pounds cuts to be made to public spending, including the police, who they've said they'd increase by 20,000. They haven't, having cut it by 20,000 prior to that. They had. The end of free movement in Europe for all UK citizens, the looming imminence of the no-deal crash-out of the EU with inevitable price rises, despite Boz's much pre-election touted promise that a deal was oven-ready. And most depressing of all, some of the social media comments praising the fuckwit cockwomble himself aren't generated by government-funded bots. Skynet, where are you? We're done. Wipe us out. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump saying something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump. You can connect with us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallaciousTrump. All music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Felicia's Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.